Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why we curate the different, the better, and the special brands here each and every week so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. If you're a founder and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This episode is sponsored by Temple. Congratulations, you're selling in retail. But the competition is fierce and your brand is surrounded by similar products. How will consumers find you? Let Temple show you an innovative retail sales solution. Click on the Attract Consumers link below. Need to attract great employees? Click on the Hire Now below and we'll show you how to use your culture to help you stand out. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It's Tony. I got to say, I love technology. I love that I can connect with people from literally all over the country at all different times. Um, I don't think I've ever had had a podcast with anyone in Hawaii, so I'm kind of excited today, although I'm kind of cringing when I look at what time it is for Joni Wynn. She's um, one of the founders, co-founders of Kona Earth out in Hawaii. You know, what we're going to really kind of dig into today is just understanding more about the Kona coffee revolution. I've seen this branded a lot in stores but when I pay attention when I look at the bag I notice it's not always like 100% Kona I'll notice it's like a percentage of Kona and I remember an earlier episode I had with uh, um, Comvita where we talked about Manuka honey and it kind of struck me as a similar situation where it's easy for people to slap something on a label and put a small amount in a product and then people believe they're they're buying something that really is not 100% pure. And that's what I want to get into today is a little bit more about just the uniqueness of Kona coffee. Number 1, we've got some interesting things about the geography. There's just a there's a very small area. We're going to find out more about the geographic, you know, aspects of what makes it uh, uh, known as Kona. Um, it's a particular variety that they use. I believe it's the um, Arabica. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. Uh, we might get into a little more about just you know how it's harvested, um, a little more around production, uh, some of its you know flavor profiles. There's a lot of interesting aspects to Kona, and who better to talk about Kona coffee than uh, Joni Wynn of uh, Kona Earth? Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning or afternoon in your case. <laughs> it is definitely afternoon for me, but bright and early in beautiful Hawaii. Nobody can see this beautiful Hawaiian shirt I'm wearing in honor of you today, Joni. And I'm looking out the window at a broad, beautiful Pacific Ocean view. So I'm counting myself an extremely lucky lady today. Ooh. Now, I, the first time I talked to you, I didn't realize you had that kind of, you know, million dollar view. Um, <laughs> so 
tell me, how is it that you ended up in Hawaii owning this farm, this acreage? I mean, how in the world? What is this founder story? Oof, it's kind of a crazy one. Uh, my husband, Steve, and I had 25 plus years in the production business in San Francisco with a company, Bayside Entertainment. Uh, and so he had a background in television production with Discovery Channel, History Channel, Travel Channel. I had worked down in Los Angeles uh, doing behind the scenes marketing work for uh, feature film studios like Disney and Sony and Warner Brothers. And we'd had this amazing career producing just about every kind of video content you can imagine. Um, and cut to the pandemic, uh, 2020, and like the rest of the world, we hit pause and we're kind of looking at each other going, okay, hmm, do we want a new chapter? We felt like we'd had this amazing run as production company, um, won some Emmys, had some amazing uh, international documentary trips that we did. Um, but it was, we were both kind of feeling like there's something else out there for us. And uh, to be honest, also uh, feeling the feeling the age, you know, kind of feeling when we were in those meetings with the the twenty something ad agency folks. That <laughs> now we wait were a minute now, cardinal <laughs> rule on that we never date ourselves. So careful. Well, we don't date ourselves. Say I'm not twenty. Um, <laughs> All right, that's that's fine. We with that. That's still allowable. We, we, we stop at 35, but let's there you just go. Say, 35 and um, holding. Yes. So we were both kind of itching to do something new. And uh, we always loved Hawaii. We'd spent a fair amount of time out, out here. And Steve really felt strongly about wanting to get some land. Um, and we started searching and came across Kona Coffee Farms. And Steve had a little bit of background. Uh, his his family had a, a Gordstrominer vineyard in Sonoma uh, when he was younger. So he understood the work that it was going to take uh, to take on farming. Um, but other than that, we've really learned trial by fire. Um, so we decided, okay, let's go out there and scout and take a look at what's available Oh, Ended you poor up. thing, having to go to Hawaii. To, oh, gosh. The, the <laughs> violins are playing. And the best thing, it was a write-off, right? Oh, um, my God. Right. Tax write-off. Anyway, so um, we found this beautiful 26-acre farm that had a good infrastructure already in place and lots of room for improvement. And so we got pretty excited about it. And uh, here we are today as the two-year owners of Kona Earth. So to this point in time, your brand journey, you are primarily direct-to-consumer, as we call it, DTC, and you're doing some wholesale. So for people who want to experience and try the coffee, what's the, what's the website? What's the best way to kind of get into that? Here's my shameless plug. No, Kona I <laughs> KonaEarth.com. Come see us. We've got beautiful single estate, 100% Kona coffee that we micro roast on site and sell, you know, ship directly to the consumer. So it's extremely fresh. It's delicious, fantastic coffee. 
We have. By the way, thank you for my samples. I appreciate the samples. We'll so keep it coming. You need to explain. Okay, I, this is what I want you to get into with us is for people who love coffee, like they like people who love wine. There's a certain way to explain coffee and flavors and notes. The challenge that I have when I try to exp, you know give feedback on coffee is that I think I use coffee as a sugar and cream delivery system. Right. If I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. So I'm not drinking it black. So I'm, so help us understand, first of all, this Kona region, the bean, the cherry, uh, kind of walk, be a little nerdy with us. I want to learn more today, you know, about, about coffee and, and how to maybe describe this particular blend. Well, I think Kona coffee can be appreciated by, you know, equally well appreciated by the connoisseur who who can experience all the the tasting notes and the and the aromas and the flavors and everything and your everyday coffee lover who just wants an amazing cup of coffee in that in the morning or an iced coffee in the afternoon whatever your delivery system for coffee is so i i think that you know from a connoisseur standpoint Certainly, uh, the geographic region of Kona, it's extremely small. So you have about 30 miles long and about two miles wide on the western side of Hawaii. So this narrow strip called the Kona Coffee Belt. And that is the region with rich volcanic soil, Mm. ample rainfall, um, kind of what we refer to as Goldilocks conditions for growing beautiful specialty Hawaiian coffee. And there's an um, elevation issue in at play too, right? You have not only temperate, but you also need uh, elevation? Uh, not necessarily. So it is a volcanic region, but the Kona coffee farms start down at say three, 400 feet or so and go all the way up past 2000 feet. I see. Um, so our farm as an example is at about 2200 feet. So we're considered a higher elevation farm. The benefits there are you get a lot of daily afternoon cloud cover, plenty of rainfall, so we don't need to irrigate. Talking talking ag now. Um, well, no, but that's good because that that's the sustainability component too. Right, right. Um, and again, we have a rich that beautiful dark rich volcanic soil with tremendous nutrients and minerals for for the plants. Um, and so, you know, different areas of the geography within that narrow strip have their own challenges. So each farm, uh, finds what works best for them in their particular location. I see. Now, what is it about the, uh, Arabica variety? Why is now, is that the variety that is, that is grown there? So the traditional Kona coffee is Kona Tipica which is an Arabica tree, uh, Arabica bean. Um, There are other varietals that have come into play um, and are still considered Kona coffee. There are a variety of other Kona coffee trees um, that are grown within the region. Our farm, however, um, is focusing on Kona typica. What's the growing season? And really, at what point is the cherry considered pickable? or at time for harvest? 
So at our elevation, again, we're at higher. So our harvest season starts a little later, ends a little later. So we begin our harvest season typically at the latter part of September, and it goes through March. And during that time, uh, we will be picking five, six, seven, sometimes even eight rounds of picking. And the reason for that is unlike other coffee producing regions, Kona is primarily non-mechanized, so it's hand-picked. The benefit of that is that the pickers are choosing only the reddest, ripest berries, cherries is, is the name of the fruit, and that yields the best coffee. The downside of that is it's more of an expense because you're hand-picking the cherry over multiple rounds. And the fact I that see. it's produced in the United States, you know, our, our farm workers uh, have a make a living wage. Right. So that's why So for over this uh, harvesting season, they're just scouring the, the trees looking for the ripe cherries. Right. So that's why you do round over round over round over round as they're just coming to term. Exactly right. Are there any particular blights or, you know, challenges that you fight off in ag for the, for coffee in particular? There are. So we have several challenges. Um, one is called CBB or coffee berry borer. And it's a little beetle um, that gets into the cherry fruit and bores into the bean itself and can cause tremendous damage. The second uh, nemesis for Kona coffee farmers is the CLR, which is the coffee leaf rust. And that's a fungus that causes over time defoliation of the tree. So with those two elements and uh, some of the farms d uh, experienced some drought last year, uh, the yields for 22-23 were down 60% for many coffee farmers. So that leads to a difficult economic picture for many of the coffee farmers. Now, when it comes to roasting, I've heard there's like the first crack, the second crack. What's the process after the cherry comes off the tree? So before you get to the green bean, which is what you use in your roasting process, uh, the first step is the, the cherry comes back it is wet milled. So that process basically removes the outer skin, the outer fruit and demucilages. So there's a thin sticky layer on the bean itself. And from there you have uh, what they call parchment and that lays out on these large drying decks. And a majority of coffee, at least initially is sun dried on these large decks and you rake you know, periodically, like say two times an hour over many days to dry the coffee. And then uh, if you need it for, you know, like if you've got more cherry coming in and your deck is full, then you, then you transition to a commercial dryer. Um, from there, you have your dry parchment and that's got to, for specification of Kona coffee, needs to be uh, very specifically between 9 and 12% moisture content. So that's something the farmer is extremely concerned with. So 9 Not to 12 to, moisture content, so you have evaporated 
85, 90% of the water. Exactly. And you don't want it to be drier than nine or wetter than 12. Why is that? Because, uh, the, the, the bean has to be that, that level of dryness to be, to qualify as the specialty. And so then it gets taken to a dry mill and that takes off the outer parchment layer and uh, sorts the beans by size. And from there, then you end up with your green coffee. And your green coffee is what you can either sell at a wholesale uh, to other large roasters or uh, coffee shops or even coffee carts. We have some customers that are coffee cart owners. Um, or you roast it yourself and you sell it direct to consumer retail in our case. So um, in terms of the science behind roasting, I'm not really the one to talk to. Uh, my partner, Steve, does our roasting, and he could speak much more specifically to that. Well, that's a good kind of walk through just how to get it to the roasting phase. And from other uh, brands that I've talked to, not in coffee, but in other areas, there's a, a big movement in upcycling. Um, are there other uses for that uh, fruit, once it comes off the the bean, the green the green bean, there are there are. In our case, we compost it. So we we have an area at the top of the farm. We we take it up there and we compost it, and then it it breaks down into a really nice nice dirt that gets uh, put back out into the fields. Um, there are uh, Kona cherry teas. I've heard of Kona cherry flowers. Uh, at two years in, we haven't really gotten that far down the road with that. Although we, we have developed some ancillary products, uh, using our coffee, including we have a, a Kona spice barbecue rub, which is made with the, with the coffee. We have a Kona scrub, uh, soap and an exfoliating shaving bar, which is fantastic. Um, and we have, um, Kona chocolate, which isn't made with the coffee. But we also grow cacao on the farm, so we have a delicious seventy-five uh, percent dark chocolate. Oh, that's nice. I, that's interesting though, because there are some other, you know, revenue streams that can come off from, from all the inputs that you're putting into the farm and in, into Absolutely. the into yeah. the bean. You're selling direct to consumer. We talked before, and you said that there are some challenges about other companies saying they're Kona and they're. A percentage of Kona and so on and so forth. And you have, you know, pricing problems. What are the kind of unique selling challenges? I would say that's, that's a big one for Kona coffee farmers um, that are going to the expense and, and trying to market their product and differentiate their product as a true premium specialty Hawaiian coffee. Uh, and so at this point, all we can really do is try to, one, be, be clear in our labeling that it says 100% Kona coffee. And number two, to educate our consumers, to let them know, hey, let the buyer beware. Don't be fooled. If it just says Kona coffee, it may not be 100% Kona coffee. It may be a Kona coffee blend with as little as 10% Kona coffee and other, co uh, other beans coming in from Colombia. Um, so unfortunately we don't have a protected designation of 
of origin, like, uh, you know, Idaho potatoes or Napa Valley wine. That's something certainly that I know some Kona coffee farmers would love to see um, getting more of a protected status. What's preventing that? Is that just a, a lobbying problem? It is because you do have the Kona blend producers that argue that, um, you know, it, it puts Kona coffee in the realm of affordability for many people um, by by offering the blends, they sell it to big uh, retailers like McDonald's and McDonald's says they're selling Kona coffee when in fact it's not truly Kona coffee. So, you know, there are two sides of the issue. Um, there is a, a bill that recently passed SB 746. And what that does do is increase labeling clarity law. So you, you have to um, designate if it beans are coming from other regions, you need to say, what are those regions and what percentage of the coffee is coming from those regions? So I think it's it's two things. It, it is very difficult from a legislative standpoint to uh, to get anything more stringent passed uh, because there are powerful interests on on that You're side. You're fighting the big boys on that one. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it is a, a two prong. You know, educate the consumer, try to raise awareness, which is I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it on on this uh, podcast because the more people know. Uh, the more they can appreciate getting the real thing. Uh, because if you pick up a, a Kona blend at the airport on your way out of town to take home to people, they're going to say, what's the big deal? And the big deal is they're not really trying Kona coffee. Right. That actually hurts the Kona coffee growers. That's right. When you I have uh, an inferior product in the market, giving using the name, it actually hurts those that are actually truly 100% pure. That's how we feel. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's an unfair advantage to be able to use that Kona name that is world-renowned. Kona coffee is, is not only a world-renowned specialty Hawaiian coffee, it's a world-renowned specialty coffee, period. So you're selling direct-to-consumer so people can go to your website. Are, have you got Amazon set up yet? We do. How's that going? <laughs> You're well, laughing. How, obviously, it's easier selling from your own website. How is that working, having to work through the fulfillment process? Well, we started with Fulfilled by Amazon. I don't want to make any of the big boys mad. Speaking of big uh -oh, boys. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Have I, have I I've stumbled <laughs> well, into something here? We were excited about um, exposing ourselves to a lot more potential buyers that are looking for Kona coffee. I mean, Amazon's amazing, and we use Amazon. We're customers, huge customers. However, as a specialty coffee producer, my challenge with it was you deliver, you know, 100 units to Amazon, and if they don't all sell within a month, you got stale coffee that's going out to people. And we pride ourselves on... Well, the freshness is what, you know, you, you promoted to me when I got it. It showed, I think you even wrote on the bag or the little card, you know, kind of the date. So the, the thing about, so what I ended up doing is I, I recalled that product. It's going to be used in the barbecue spice. Um, and I, I'm now doing Fulfilled by Merchant. 
So has that affected sales? Absolutely. Because I don't believe the algorithm favors um, fulfilled by merchant. And many people, mm. you know, understandably, they want that, you know, Amazon Prime two-day shipping. And and uh, we can get pretty close. Um, but again, we're fresh roasting and we're shipping. And so in a lot of days, we don't even ship from Hawaii. Uh, so we ship two-day FedEx, but there's no shipping on the weekends. So, um, right. But at least you're on the platform and you're being found. And I think that's what you're getting. The benefit is eyes on Kona earth. They're at least finding it. They're discovering it. And that's half the battle is getting the consumer eyes on it. I mean, we kind of uh, think of it a bit like a loss leader in a way in that the money you spend, you know, for the fulfillment, uh, costs, the representation, the, the marketing, it really dilutes your profit as, as a producer, coffee grower. But at the same time, you're, you're in a platform that is much larger than you would potentially otherwise reach. So it's a, it's a good opportunity in that respect. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot about what companies do to drive consumers and gain new customers on uh, direct to consumer platforms. Um, in general, what seems to work best for you in terms of attracting, finding, and bringing in new customers? Yeah, one thing I'd like to say is as we're two years in, uh, the first year was very focused on um, improving the farm and infrastructure, a lot of capital investments on equipment, um, and just launching the site. So now we're in year two. We're really focusing on like increasing exposure and awareness, trying to get our brand out there. Because, of course, there's a lot of fantastic Kona coffee brands that have been in existence a long time. Um, and they're very they're very strong. They have lots of, uh, of coffee customers and subscribers. So for us, yeah, we're experimenting. I'd say we're in the experimental phase. So we're experimenting with Google advertising, Facebook advertising, um, public relations, outreach. Um, oh, working, are, you, are you starting with a PR firm? You know, I have kind of a background with um, public relations in, in the work that I did as a producer. So I'm able to kind of reach um, some outlets directly. So I'm kind of representing our brand myself. One thing that's worked well on the PR standpoint is um, sending sample product and getting on people's gift lists. Um, so, you know, the best gifts for Father's Day, you know, the best gifts for Mother's Day. And oh, so and they cut co- and they'll cover it. And then that that helps us uh, with awareness with with their audiences who may never have even heard of Kona Coffee. You just gave me a good idea for for podcast promotion. <laughs> And and I'm we so have, busy heads down with my work and podcast. I don't even sometimes think about those other ways, but that's actually not a bad, not a bad way to promo. Yeah. And we do have, in addition to just selling the coffee and I, as I mentioned previously, the ancillary products, we, we also have a lot of gift combinations or gift bundles. Um, so we have a lot of beauty spa gift bundles that are with the chocolate and the coffee and the, the Kona scrub and all, all that bundled together so it makes it easy for people oh i need something for mother's day and it's cutely packaged and you know so we have 
more than just Kona coffee. We're selling a nice range of gifts um, for for really any occasion, really busy at Christmas time um, with those kind of things. So for coffee lovers, chocolate lovers. I can see you've got a big opportunity with the box because it's coming from Hawaii. I'm always, you know, I just imagine these beautiful flowers and the the blossoms. I can imagine you could do a lot of fun kind of artwork there to give it like a real island feel, you know, when it shows up. Absolutely. We haven't done the custom packaging. Well, we have a custom package for the coffee itself. Uh, yes. We haven't done like the custom packaging for for the gift boxes yet. Um, but that's certainly something I'm excited to try. It's easy for me to spend your money. That's, that's super easy. That's <laughs> There's an always easy a one lot of, a lot of places you can spend your money. Exactly. There's never There's a shortage. Um, <laughs> what's the likelihood in the coming years that you'll take a run at retail? Your, I, I know you probably have some, maybe some local places, you know, that you're maybe getting into cause you're, you know, local, but back on the mainland. What are the chances? I'd love to do that. I, I would I would love to, you know, I think it would make a lot of sense in a specialty grocery store. You know, um, we are in Island Naturals here on, on the island. Um, they have two locations, one in Hilo, one in Kona. And they're a beautiful specialty grocery store. And uh, it makes a lot of sense for them. And they have the customer base that appreciates it. So I can certainly see that um, it's an area I would love to explore, um, along with you know um, providing specialty Kona coffee services to companies where right. you know they want to show employees, hey, this is a this is pretty posh place to work. Not only do we give give you free coffee and snacks, we give you free Kona coffee and snacks. Yeah, no. companies are looking for ways to get people back in the office. That's um, that's a tough one right now. That's a tough one, but I could definitely see the the again the West Coast play. You know, because everyone in the West Coast they're used to, you know, making that flight over to Hawaii is one of their favorite vacation spots. Of course, we you know on the East Coast can do it, but statistically, you know, it's your it's your West Coast visitor. That's gone to Hawaii. They associate with it. They've gone to the nice hotels. They've had the Kona coffee. So they go back home. They go to the, you know, their Whole Foods or their Sprouts or their IGA. And there's some great Kona coffee. Um, that'd be kind of a fun little, you know, remembrance for them for their trip. Absolutely. And and one other way of reaching new potential new customers and, and visitors, we just launched our VIP private farm tours. And so they can sign up on the website if they're going to be in town. Uh, we work with them. Does that include airfare? So, uh, <laughs> do, do we stay at your place? Where, where do I go to sign up for this, Joni? How there long you, now? There you go, spending my money again, Tony. It's easy. <laughs> this is getting really easy. <laughs> well, we were looking to differentiate ourselves by by offering private tours. So if you're coming out with and with your family or. Uh, as a couple, and you want to do the coffee farm tours, which are extremely popular, um, we thought it would be kind of cool if we could do it on a private basis and then walk the farm with the people. So when they come to Kona Earth, they're they're walking with the farm owners 
Um, they ask all their questions. They get to taste the coffee and the chocolate. Uh, we make them cappuccinos or whatever. I oh, make a banana bread awesome. with the apple bananas from the farm. You know, so it's a very personal experience. We have a, a, a farm store set up, a farm shop. Um, so, you know, that's a way also uh, to kind of get the word out uh, as people take the tours and share that information, hopefully post on social media. You know, it's kind of an organic way of, of attempting to get our brand name out there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great ways you can do it. And I've got a lot of good ways to spend your money, too, apparently. Well, Joni, <laughs> what we're going to have to do is uh, we'll have to do a follow-up here at some point and just check in on the on the progress. And uh, what's the website again for people to come and, and check out the uh, pure Kona coffee from Kona Earth? What, what's the address again? It is KonaEarth.com. Pretty easy. Um, Joni, thank you for being here today and sharing your founder story and just giving people kind of a look at what it's like to be a farmer and growing this high-end specialty coffee in the Kona Belt there in Hawaii. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about not just Kona Earth, but Kona Coffee as a whole, um, because the more we get the word out there, it's better for for all the Kona coffee farmers. Indeed it is. Thank you. And we will have a coffee or a latte together at some point. But until then, it's time to go. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha.